0: Hi everyone. I'm Summer. I'm Carrie. And this is Hopeful podcast. Join us to talk about sex, drugs, and self improvement.
1: Absolutely. Um, I remember after my kid went back into custody, um, I had got a different attorney um, than like my attorney. Like the judge just assigned me one, and I was like, okay, like I don't have to pay him, so whatever. Um and I remember at adjudication he was like so are you ready to terminate your rights and I was like you know I really just feel like I need some help from the state to try to fix this issue and he looked at me and he said after everything that you've been through you're not willing to relinquish your rights and I was like mm. he said okay talk to me in a month We'll be back here in a month for disposition. If you decide to, we can relinquish then. But he was just like dumbfounded, like you have been through hell, and you just want to keep on fighting, like what, you know? And that was really eye opening for me, also. And with with him in custody, he went to a family member for less than a week, I think, and. Um, tried to blow their house up by turning on the gas to their fireplace, threatened her and her fiance with a fireplace poker, like within a week. And this was somebody that he claimed to just absolutely adore and want to live with. You know, like this was his goal. This was where he wanted to go because he just worshiped the ground she walked on. And within no time, he was trying to tell them too and so now he's not able to be placed with the family at this time maybe in the future i don't know but i mean he just the chaos continues even now i get some updates on occasion and it's just you know he broke into somebody's house and they woke up in the middle of the night with him standing over them with a knife i mean it was just chaotic and it's really unfortunate the state that the mental health system and government entities even are in as far as like providing help to families who are dealing with all of this it's i mean it should not get to the point of me demanding to have him removed from my home because he has continually try to kill me or damage me in some way, you know? Like, it should not come to that. It should be, like, the first time you show up in my home and we tell you that he's violent and a threat, something should be done then and not two years
2: later. It's just so wild to me, like, because I also... Like, I work for child welfare and not, like, in the same, like, department, but still, well, not the same, like, job. Capacity. Same department, different job. (laughs) But, and I've worked with kids in, like, psych hospitals, and I've worked with kids in all kinds of different settings. And, like, it's just so wild to me, like, the lack of help for any kind of, like, mental health situation, let alone, like, violent ones, which you think... There should be all kinds of hope for that because nobody wants to work with like violent children nobody wants right. like those kids to be like out in the world someday being violent but like absolutely nothing is available
1: exactly
0: and that's the frustrating part for me is we know that the earlier the intervention the more likelihood the you know of a, a satisfactory outcome you know might not ever you know be great but you know we can reduce those numbers somewhat so why why are we just like no no there's no help there's no help whatever whatever oh wait eventually they'll be grown they'll be an adult and we can put them in jail like why is that your solution but that's the only solution that i kept being given was eventually she will victimize somebody outside the family now i was told that it Any crime she committed against family members was my problem to deal with. But eventually she will do something to somebody who's not family, which I don't know how because it's a rural area I'm related to 80% of these people. Um, and Or she'll become an adult and then they will charge her. But why can't we get her help and treatment Now, because I understand, you know, neuroplasticity is still a thing and yes, you can get better as an adult, but it's harder. It's less likely to be successful.
1: Why are we not doing it
0: when they're young?
1: And why wait until there's even more victims under her belt or his belt?
2: And they're probably gonna thrive in prison, honestly. like exactly where a lot of people are violent and aggressive and that's just not like everybody obviously but there is that kind of like culture there of being violent and aggressive and it's accepted like i am yes and find their people
0: the as she went through um different residential treatment centers i can't remember what where were we at four or five i can't remember because um, she went to the same ones like there was a couple she went to twice Um, But, yeah, so each time it was, like, a more secure facility, right? So the last one, which she had went to twice, uh, is actually one that I had long called Kitty Jail (laughs) for a very long time. Um, But, yeah, a little scary how much she thrived in that environment and... And at one point, the first time she was bragging about it, and that's when the therapist finally was like, okay, I'm concerned. Because she called me and she's like, I'm concerned. I'm like, what? And she's like, well, you know, she was bragging about how she, like, strategically, you know, makes sure she's at the top of the pecking order. And, like, well, I guess she thought the bullying that she was doing of other um, patients and, you know because she does it in such a passive way that she thought she was just being a normal teenager or whatever. And I'm like, but she's very astute at telling what your weakness is and going for that, you know, pushing that button every time. And she'll very often do it in a way where she has a plausible deniability. And so I guess the therapist up until that point had just kind of, Made those excuses for her, and when she was finally open in group and told, you know, no, I do this on purpose, and I've always done this. I've done this in every school I've ever been to, every facility I've ever been in. Like this is like this. In fact, she was like, I don't understand why y'all y'all aren't all doing this because this is like the best way to live. Why wouldn't you? And so that was when that therapist finally realized, like, oh you weren't lying about the callous and emotional traits. Like, yeah. That's exactly but up until that point, they act like you're lying until they finally see it. They're like, you're just being unreasonable. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to like save you from going through that initial three weeks of being manipulated before you finally see it. But go ahead, do your thing. But I think part of the problem is because records, even if they get records, Because of the way the insurance works, only things that show on those is what they bill for, like what will get them paid. So they always say something generic, like major depressive disorder or anxiety. They don't have, okay, here's what we're actually dealing with. Because most of the time, the diagnostic code on there is not necessarily what you're dealing with. It's what the insurance is going to pay so that they can afford to keep the kid there to provide treatment
2: where it's going to be, like, DMDD, which could be a million things. God. Well, that's exactly how it was, like, at the hospital I worked at. All of the kids would do the exact same thing that your daughter would do. Like, but it was our whole unit that would do that. Like, 20 children doing that all to each other constantly, like, and to the adults, like, the adult staff. They would do that to us and, like, try to put us, like, against each other and, like, make us like act differently towards kids based on like what they would say like the kids had done and i'm like you did the same shit like i can read your file like i i don't know what you're trying to get out of me by saying these things about these other kids and telling me things that they have done because they had all perpetrated like you did the same shit like i don't (laughs) wanted to get like all the snacks and they wanted everybody to like love them so that they could get what they wanted but they didn't give a fuck about anybody Like
1: nice.
0: that's the thing the transactional relationships mm-hmm. right I come I said something very matter-of-factly because somebody asked me on, on TikTok about whether she's ever had any real friends and I'm like no she doesn't have the ability to attach and everything she relates to people entirely in a transactional way and somebody said I was being what was the word I don't remember but I was being mean basically by by saying that I'm like but that's just literally like that's hell that's the diagnostic criteria for, (laughs) for, like that's just the way it works and I don't know why people are so intent on trying to pretend that's not what's happening like that's just how our neurology is she can't attach to people and we can't pretend that that's not the case
2: it's wild like i don't think i would say like any well no i take that back i wouldn't say all of the kids that i worked with were like sociopaths i wouldn't say any of them were psychopaths like All of the kids I worked with had, like, really specific traumas that they went through that is probably, like, what triggered, like, all of their behaviors. Um, and so they kind of, like, morphed into that, like, out of survival. And then it just became, like, this is what I have to do because I don't care about you. I don't care about any of y'all which y'all think. I'm gonna get what suits me. I'm gonna take care of me. And it's, like, wild to think that about a child <laughs> like because it it truly is like everything is a transaction to them like you de- you're a vending machine to them because they want snacks because that's the only currency they have in like a psych hospital is snacks <laughs> and like they'll do whatever chores you ask them to do uh so that they can get those things or they will tattle on paddle for things that didn't happen on other kids so that they can get what they want and like hurt that child like the other child it's I wish everybody could have the experience of like one working in fast food because you see a lot of crazy shit with people that place and then also like working with children that have these kinds of things or sitting in different support groups for different people like of different kinds of things when I was in college working on my degree like I had to sit on a batteries intervention group that was terrible. (laughs) I hated that shit. But I I feel like if everybody could sit in on those kind of things or even just like observe somehow, like I think people would really understand like just how much the mental health like services and resources are needed. Mm
0: -hmm. So you mentioned that your attorney was advocating, you know, you can't be charged with abandonment. So how did the, Mm -hmm. the, Civil process of abandonment go for you. Was that pretty smooth, or was uh, child welfare yeah, everything else? It,
1: I mean, it was it was really smooth. The, the investigator was uh, not happy because you know he had to find my kid a home, and that is difficult when you have a teenager without any behaviors. And then you add behaviors of any kind to that, and it's just like impossible. Um, so he wasn't too pleased about it. Um, but when it got switched over to permanency, his permanency worker was like, "This child was not a like at at risk or like risk of harm or anything like that in this home." like we'd go to like we did the safety meeting the child safety meeting that has to happen when you take custody and she was like i can't see any risk to this child i see risks to mom like you would never do anything to my husband at all ever and i remember uh, the last day that he was in the house um before he ran away he was like hitting and kicking and biting and scratching me and i was trying to like Hold him down a little bit my husband got out of the shower and was like is he trying to hurt himself and i was like no he's trying to hurt me and he was like you know you keep claiming that you're going to be abused continue to hurt my wife and we're going to we're going to see what's going to happen with that and so when when my kid left i was like man like this is not a healthy situation for any of us because you know he's watching me get abused by a child and there's nothing that he can do because he's a child you know and so when it came to child welfare the permanency worker who had a background in law enforcement was like i you know i i cannot put him back in her home with it being like this and i was like well, that's good because i don't want him back in my home, you know like keep him away <laughs> um and i mean I, I think you know well I, I say this and i don't know if it's actually true it feels true but i don't maybe it wouldn't have helped i feel like if the court system had been more involved from the beginning of his criminal behavior maybe there could have been a turnaround but he went so long being able to get away with everything that he did i mean the child stole probably 150 phones within the community and the school because that was something i wasn't willing to give him i'm sorry when you're 11 years old and you're looking at porn on your tablet you lose electronics that's not an option anymore and no i'm not going to buy you a phone because you're going to use it to do inappropriate things which is your pattern you know and i feel like if he hadn't been allowed to do things like that maybe there could have been a difference but i really don't know because he just it was chaos it was absolute chaos
2: i'm glad you don't have to deal with it now And you've gotten out of it, like, and gotten to calm, calm waters a little bit.
1: Yeah, there was actually a video that circulated on Facebook um, that involved him. It's not on there anymore, but I think it is on TikTok. He was part of that video, but it wasn't, like, centered around him um, necessarily. Like, he wasn't the main topic, I guess um it was just like somebody in the community who had recorded this video and like he was at the park anyway it got sent to me by my mom's best friend who lives in alabama and as soon as i saw him i instantly started panicking um like i had a massive anxiety attack i was able to get it under control rather quickly but just seeing him and seeing him make accusations against his caretakers like he used to do against me like oh look at these bruises that i have from being abused and i'm like well that would be absolutely amazing if i ever actually touched you you know um I, rem- I remember one time dhs showed up and they're like well he has this single scar on his shin where he said that your husband burned him with a cigarette and i said that is a miracle because the man hasn't smoked in a year and a half so i don't know how he would have burned him with a cigarette when he doesn't touch cigarettes and if it's the scar that i think you're talking about it's from when he ran away and fell through the floor of an abandoned house so you know it was it was always like that and so seeing that video on facebook i was just like oh oh the panic the it just my heart started racing like my blood pressure went up instantly um and then all of these comments oh he's just so precious i wish i could adopt him and give him the life that he deserves oh my gosh he's so abused that poor traumatized baby and i'm like adopt him adopt him see how that works out for you
2: it's yeah. so weird to me how like all of like <laughs> like the big like serial killers or whatever like they always talk about how like handsome and attractive and stuff they wear and when you look at like the kids that are like violent and aggressive and they're like they just look like sweet little angels and I'm like I'm pretty sure nature has designed them to be that way to lure you in you know. <laughs> it's like be. it Absolutely. happens with like all of them, like, they just have sweet little baby faces, or they're so handsome and attractive, they could never, and I'm like, that's your brain line, you don't let it do that.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, when it comes to psychopathy, one of the diagnostic criteria is superficial charm, and they are able to, and that was one of the issues I had, you know, over the last year, I had finally started reaching out to people that I work with, like, I had one person... In our department that had a background in juvenile, um, what do you even call that? Juvenile justice? I don't know. Um, juvie jail. Um, and so, you know, I went to our lake. What, this was before the first um, residential stay. So I guess it was two years ago. And I'm like, so what options are there? Like, what is there out there? that I can be doing the just regular therapy because like we've been doing that for years. It's not getting us anywhere. And like we're at a point, something's going to happen. And, you know, I would prefer to delay her incarceration as long as possible. And there, literally the answer is, oh, she's so beautiful, she's so nice, you're easy. You got this. No, I don't got this. That's why I'm asking you for help. And that was the answer I got everywhere there. Well, she's beautiful. Okay. That doesn't change the fact that we're like at a point of, I am seeing the train coming <laughs> through the tunnel and nobody is help, you know, helping here. Yeah,
2: it, It's so wild. Like, I would say that about my kids too. Who are all like perpetrators of some form or another. And since they're all young, like, all of the kids I worked with were set between 17 and 12 for the majority. Sometimes I'd work on the little units, and they were, like, 4 to 11. And I had a 4-year-old that had tried to, like, stab his grandmother with, like, a butcher knife. And they're like, but he's so cute. Look at his little cherub face and his little blonde hair and blue eyes. I'm like, this boy tried to murder somebody and then ran through the street saying that he got abused while he was still holding it i was like he's not an angel stop treating him like that like he yes he's four and he deserves to be treated like a four-year-old but he also deserves to be treated like a danger because he is stop that (laughs) that's why like all the netflix shows make me so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because they sexualize like the serial killers and i'm like this and is stab how they it. End up back in that kind of situation. Right. Because
0: just because they're cute or, or sweet little kids or whatever mm-hmm. does not negate that there's some alarming things
2: happening that need to be addressed. Yeah, like, they. Cuteness doesn't change the fact that they will stab you. No. So. Exactly. Or give you and any other kinds of traumas.
1: My kid. Um his main thing for manipulation was playing the victim um and so he could get himself out of trouble by you know well i stole her phone because my mom won't buy me one and then the tears you know and so like he and the looks i mean he was tiny he was when he left my home he was almost 14 years old and he was the size of an eight-year-old you know like he was tiny and so for anybody who looked at him it was easy for them to see him as a victim because of his size um even though uh like, like, they would just push out of their brain any behavior that he exhibited, you know? I, the first place he went um, for treatment was because he was claiming to be suicidal. Um, and the reason I say claiming is because with him specifically, and I'm not saying this is the case for everybody, but for him specifically, if he was in trouble, he would claim to want to kill himself in an attempt to get out of trouble. And it like i took it very very seriously every time he said it and after that first time of sending him inpatient um if i started calling hospitals he was like never mind i don't want to go back i was just saying that and i'm like you, you know it desensitized me to it after a while the second time though was because he um was in trouble and told me that he was going to stab me in the heart. Um, So I called up the hospital. They got him approved before I even got up there, which is rare. I had never had that happen in all of my years at DHS and working with kids who had to go inpatient. Like the guy was like, I've already got it approved by the doctor, bring him and all you have to do is find paperwork and go I was there for like 15, 30 minutes. Wow. And then his, his therapist called me and said, um, I'm just gonna let you know, I, I have to call child welfare because um, he's saying that you want him dead, that you wouldn't care if he died. And I'm like, first of all, those words never came out of my mouth. Second of all, have you looked at the paperwork for why he's in there? Because what actually happened was he told me that he wants me dead and he had plans to make it happen. And she's like, well, that's not what he's saying. And I, like, I was just straight up. He's a liar. He is a liar. He's going to tell you whatever he can to make sure that he doesn't get in trouble. And I understand that this is therapy and he's not going to be in trouble with you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm almost a counselor now, I'm just waiting on my licensure, you know, like, I know what it looks like. I've been in therapy for years, worked with numerous therapists because of working in child welfare, like, I know what this is going to look like. I don't expect you to lecture him, nor do I need you to, because that's not what your job is. But in his mind, you are an authority figure. And therefore, you have the ability to punish him and so he's gonna say whatever he can to get out of said punishment and this time apparently i want my child dead make it make sense you know like there was just absolutely no regard at all for anything that i was going through and then after he got into custody um she wound up having to go to a hospital out of state because there was no beds in state at all and one of the workers contacted me on facebook like she wasn't like a therapist or anything like that i don't know what her job was but she contacted me on facebook and she said um i have your kid out here and he's really wanting to talk to you and i said ma'am Do you understand that you've just contacted, like, a victim of abuse for her abuser? I realize that he's a child, but, like, how is that okay? Never mind the fact of, like, confidentiality and HIPAA and the fact that I didn't even know what hospital he was at. I knew that he had gone, but that was it.
2: And, like, what if you had been abusing him and she contacted you? Exactly. Exactly. That's so unprofessional <laughs> and terrifying yeah. and all of the bad things. Every facility she, she was
0: in, they told they told me basically I had to take phone calls from her. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter that because in order to be, you can't ha- see improvement if the family isn't actively involved. And I'm like, but she's not calling me because she wants to be, <laughs> you know, to do better or she misses home that's not what's happening but okay um yeah so don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel and to be sure you never miss an upload make sure you turn your notifications on and please come join us on social media so we can continue these conversations in between episodes you'll find us at Hapaxia podcast on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok